Ephesians chapter 1. We are looking at 17 through 23, but I want to pick up uh, 15 because that's coming out of the theology of 3 through 14. And when he finished this amazing plan of God that he instilled to us, the next thing he does is he prays that we'll get a hold of it. So beginning in verse 15, For this reason I too, having heard of the faith in the Lord Jesus Christ which exists among you and your love for all the saints, do not cease giving thanks for you while making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of the Lord Jesus Christ and the Father of glory may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. I pray that the eyes of your heart might be enlightened so that you will know what is the hope of His calling and the riches of His glory and the inheritance in the saints and what is the surpassing greatness of His power towards us who believe. These are in accordance with working of the strength of His might which He brought about in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and seated Him at the right hand in heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also the one to come. He has put all things in subjection under His feet and gave Him as head over all things to the church, which is His body, the fullness of Him who fills all in all. Father, we come before you in amazement. And Father, I pray, as the Apostle Paul prayed, that the eyes of our hearts would be enlightened and we would understand and have this knowledge and revelation. And it would be enlightened in such a way that we would see the power of the eternal God. Father, understanding that we were planned into the body before the foundation of the world. And Father, let us Rejoice at being a part of your plan. But, Father, let us grasp the intensity of the day. And, Father, let us, each one, partake in the things that you have created for us before we ever existed. To you, my Lord, my Savior, my King. Amen. Let me refuse some of this. I'm dealing with a, a thing that I wanted you to pay attention to. This is what the Apostle Paul does in the first three chapters of Ephesians. And one is he gives us our position, who we are in Christ. Okay? And then at the end of this book, he gives us our practice. But if you look at it, he intersects each of these who we are in Christ with a practice. Pray that God will open our eyes. I've been at this long enough, and I, I can honestly say that early in my ministry, I kept thinking, why can't I get people to get a hold of this? Why can't I get people to follow this? Why can't I get them to do this? Why can't I do that? And I did a study on Paul's prayers. And uh, God, and that was one of my trips overseas. So you can't, there's nothing in American, so you, you might as well take something to read. So I read... The gleanings of the Apostle Paul, and it's all of his prayers through all the New Testament. Very humbling. Very humbling. 
Because here I thought, here's the best teacher that the world has ever seen. And he realized he couldn't make people understand this. And then as the more and more that I look at the person of Jesus Christ and the Holy Trinity, the more I look at that, no, our minds can't conceive it. And so for us to conceive that that is unconceivable, you have to have divine intervention. Okay, and I finally got that message about a half an hour ago. No, just kidding. <laughs> Some time ago. But I, I want you to know this. As I, as I shared with you guys, I deal a lot with pastors. Okay, of all uh, shapes and styles. I had heard about this two years ago in California when I was at a conference out there. And I heard about this and I thought, well, that's kind of the dumbest thing I ever heard. But then I realized that anytime I hear something in California, it's only about a half an hour, 45 minutes before I'll be dealing with it. Uh, and they've usually got a year or so on me. And as usual, they were right. And it's called, they call it the, the seminary and the pastorates are adopting a thing called the hermeneutics of humility. Okay, don't get confused. Hermeneutics means method of study. Okay, now if you hear someone say that, hermeneutics of humility, that means I humbly go before the Bible. That ain't what it means. It means I have no ability to know what this thing says. Okay, now let me ask you a question. How dangerous is that? If you were at Castle Rock Day of Prayer yesterday, you saw some of it on stage. You saw the difference between dealing with the emotion and dealing with the mind. Okay? But I can also tell you from my perspective, where I was, I saw the crowd, and the crowd wants their emotions dealt with. Alright? And that's dangerous. When you read here where he says that I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. Okay. To the Middle East, heart is your mind. That's where your thinking processes are. That's where your reasoning comes from. That's where your will is established. That's your heart. Okay. Here in America, we look at heart as emotions. Okay, in the Middle East, they don't do that. This was not written by Westerners. This was written by Middle Easterners. And when they dealt with the heart, it is your thinking. I gave you many illustrations of this last week. Uh, I'll refer you back to one out of chapter 6 of 2 Corinthians chapter 6, where Paul, in verse 11, our mouth was opened freely to you, O Corinthians. Our heart is opened wide. Okay, that's his mind. Okay, his reasoning, his will, his thinking. Okay, you are not restrained by us, but you are restrained by your own what? Emotions. Your emotions. Their emotions had gotten in the way of their thinking. Now, no one in this room has ever done that, right? Get your emotions in front of your thinking? That couldn't happen. All right? But if you go look around right now, the common thing that is flourishing out of this hermeneutics of humility 
is that I, being a worm as I am, wretched man that I am, I cannot know what the Word of God says. And you know what? Some of the people don't. All right? Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. Colossians chapter 3, verse 16. Let it dwell in there. Let it be comfortable in there. Let it control your thinking. Let it control your reasoning. The point of Paul praying, listen, I'll be as subtle as this as I can. If the Holy Spirit doesn't quicken the truth, it doesn't have the same effect. All right? Why Paul prays? God do this in their hearts? They know it. It's there. God, by your Spirit, drive it deep into their understanding. That's what he's looking for. That is my passion. That's when people come to me for counsel. They're always saying, well, all you ever talk about is the Bible. Well, I ain't got nothing else. I'm... You don't want to hear the other stuff I know because it's worthless. Okay? And, and so these are the things that I want us to think about because we have, as a society, because of our culture, we've bought this thing hook, line, and sinker, and I'm talking about the church. I'm talking about the church. Listen, I am, I want to make sure that you guys are all sure of this. I am not against emotions. Alright? Jesus wept. I mean, there's no doubt that the handful of times he probably laughed. I don't have a problem with emotions. I have deep emotions. But if you're not thinking it through, where will you end up every stinking time? Don't let your emotions get over your thinking. And there's too many in the body of Christ today who are being led by their emotions and they're not thinking it through. When you do that, you are susceptible to whatever whim comes down the pipeline. Let me illustrate this, okay? Because I, I want you to... This is urgent. This is urgent. In Luke's Gospel, chapter twenty. Four, beginning in verse 22. You will know this story. This is what they call the Emmaus Road. Okay? Jesus has risen from the grave, but the disciples don't all know it. Alright? And, and, and the disciples have scattered for all intents and purposes. I mean, what they had planned in their minds did not happen. Okay? 22 the disciples are walking, two of the disciples of Jesus are walking down the road towards Emmaus. Okay, Emmaus is about seven miles outside of Jerusalem. So they're headed toward Emmaus. And Jesus catches up to them, walking. And they don't recognize him. And so he asks them, what is, you know, what's going on? Why do you look so bummed out? That's a biblical term for sad. Okay. Verse 22, but also some women among us amazed us when they, 
were at the tomb early in the morning. They did not find his body. They came saying that they also had a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Okay, you all know that part of it, right? Mary and Martha went down and, whoa, he ain't here. And the angel said, hey, he ain't here. Right? Remember it? Jesus told them that's what was going to happen. They had the information. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it as exactly as the women also had said. But him they did not see. Okay, this is the disciples talking to this man who just walked up to him. They've already explained. Have you not been in Jerusalem and not know what what happened? The, the, the awfulness of the last three days? Jesus replies. He said to them, O foolish men, slow of heart to believe in all the prophets have spoken. You've been told. You have the information. It is between your ears. Was it not necessary for the Christ to suffer these things and enter into his glory? Then beginning with Moses and with all of the prophets, he explained to them the things concerning himself in all scriptures. And they approached the village where they were going And he acted as though he was going to go a little farther. But they urged him, saying, Stay with us, for it is getting toward evening, and the day is now nearly over. So he went in to stay with them. When he had reclined at the table with him, he took bread, blessed it, breaking it, and began giving it to them. Then their eyes were open and they recognized him and he vanished from their sight. You got that? They had the information. But until the Spirit of God makes it in you, you don't have it. Remember what they said? Verse 32. Their eyes were open. I'm going to ask you this, and then I'm going to hold your feet to the fire. All right. Their eyes were open and they recognized him and he vanished from their sight. They said to one another, were not our hearts burning within us while he was speaking to us on the road while he was explaining what? The scriptures to us. When people are explaining the scriptures to us, does your heart burn? Do you have a fire? Do you have a passion? Because if you don't, you've got serious problems. You've got very serious problems. The word of God in our mind, in our thinking... Only becomes real when God moves it. Their hearts burned. See, to have the scriptures, to have the information. My first trip to Russia, I met a guy, Igor. 
big, big dude. I mean, one of them no-neck people. Um, big, honking Slav. Anyway, and I asked him, because it was right after the collapse, perestroika and all that was going on. And I asked him, I said, with all this new freedom, what is the greatest freedom that, uh, that you have found? He started crying. Okay? I mean, this is a big man. I mean, his hand is big as my chest. He starts crying. And I was like, what freedom is it? He looked at me and he says, that we have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies. Does that sound familiar? That's 3 through 14. And I said, well, that's always been in there. He says, you don't understand. Under socialism, all I had was the gospel of Luke. He all of a sudden found out that there were 65 other books that went with it. The man thought he'd already gone to heaven. Listen, the same is true now. Is not his spirit here now? I remember somebody asking for that yesterday at prayer. Spirit, come here. And I was like, oh, man. Be careful what you ask for. You could end up saved. His spirit comes to us who possess the word. His spirit makes it burn in our minds. Paul's prayer to the Ephesians and to us is that the eyes of our heart be enlightened. Be enlightened. Okay, back to our text. Well, Igor knew that, that text in Luke real well, didn't he? Thirty-some years of preaching Luke. <laughs> got it down? <laughs> anyway. Listen, he can summarize everything. He wants the eyes of our hearts to be enlightened that we may know these two things. The hope of his calling and the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. The hope of his calling and the riches of his inheritance in the saints. That's what he wants us to know. Okay. I mean, you can take that right there in verse 18, and that summarizes 3 through 14. It says everything that there is in the whole Bible, if you think about it. The hope of your calling and inheritance in the saints. That is the beginning and the end. Want me to go Genesis to Revelations and show you? I thought not. Paul hopes we understand what God has planned for us. God, I hope they understand. I hope they understand. God, you elected them. God, you redeemed them. God, you promised them an inheritance. I hope they understand that. See, we understand what it means to be called before the foundations of the world. Verse 4, chapter 1. Do you understand what that means? We were chosen in Him to have been redeemed as to inherit all that there is in the kingdom of God. 
And it was God's plan before creation. All that God could conceive is for His children. Do you understand the plan? Do we understand what is going on? That's what Paul is praying. May we understand. May we understand. You know what's amazing to me? It keeps coming back into my head as I look through this letter. He's in jail. He's chained 24 hours a day to a Roman soldier. I don't know about you. If I was chained to a Roman soldier 24 hours a day, I would kind of be a little disturbed. And yet he's sitting there saying, do you understand your calling? Do you understand your inheritance? Do you understand you've been redeemed? And you've only been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies. Other than that, you're lacking. Listen, this is not some afterthought in human existence. It isn't that God woke up and says, oh, look at a mess they made. I better come up with plan B. This is the plan all alone. This is the master plan of the eternal God forever and ever and ever. Each believer has been master planned into it before the world began. You know, I listen to people tell me when they got saved. You know, I got saved in such and such year. I got saved at such and such age. And, and then people ask me, well, when did you get saved? I said, before the foundation of the earth. And they look at me like I fell off the turnip truck. How dare you say that? Well, I've read the Bible. It's an interesting concept. Do you understand that that is your identity? All the rest of it is a waste. Your identity is a child of God. It ain't your job. It ain't your family. It ain't your genealogy. It is not your education. It is not what you do with your kids or don't do. It don't matter how many vacations you take. None of that is relative. You are a child of the Most High God who spoke existence into being. You are joint heirs with Jesus Christ. Listen, Paul knew that once believers understand that, they'll be more likely to live like it. I see a lot of people busting their rear ends to try to act like it. And you can tell they're acting like it. But if you've renewed your mind and dwell on Christ and Christ's word, it becomes second nature to you. But if you're just out there shooting from the hip saying, these are the things I'm not allowed to do and these are the things I'm allowed to do, you're going to be a miserable creature. And what's really bad about it, you're going to make a whole bunch of us miserable too. I pray that they will understand with their minds the eternal destiny of each and every Christian. That's the greatness of God's plan. It was ordained in eternity past.
It was possessed in time. At this time, it is yours. And it's anchored in eternity yet to come. It's immovable. Paul wants us to understand. Listen, I, you know, I was trying to give illustrations of it. And, and I just, that's hard to illustrate. So when I got a handle on this, I'm going to tell you what it means to me. Okay? Here's what it means to be. Someday, I will be just like Jesus. Someday, I'll know as I am known. Now, I don't know about you, that makes my brain hurt. Be just like Jesus and know as Jesus knows me. And yet, that's for every Christian. Romans 8 tells us we will be conformed into the image of His Son. Corinthians tells me that I will know as I am known. I will be like Him. Joint heirs with Christ. God's plan, the greatness of His plan. Verse 18 again. The hope of His calling and the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints. What's involved in this plan? The riches of His inheritance because we are the holy ones. We were made holy in Jesus Christ. Therefore, there is an inheritance. Not only an inheritance, but also the glory of His inheritance. Okay, what does that mean? What does it mean? The glory of the inheritance of all the saints. Well, whatever God has for us, there are not words to describe it. There are not human terminologies that can explain it. Okay? The inheritance is too much. So he just tells us it's the glory of the inheritance of all the saints. Why? What is it? Well, it's all that it is. Well, what would that be? I ain't got no words for it. I look at it and say this glorious inheritance goes on and on and on and on and never ever ceases. The riches of the glory of his inheritance. The blessings of our inheritance. The blessing of our salvation. Paul wants us to understand that. And, and if you think about it, look around today at your average Christian. And the average Christian has no understanding of this. Why, well, you can't say that. Really? I got one question for you. Have you ever worried Yo, dude, what's your inheritance?
See what I mean? It is easy for us to have the information between our ears and yet for whatever reason we don't understand because we've never had someone pray or we've never prayed. God, drive this so deep into my understanding that it's the fabric of my soul. Paul wants us to understand that. When you understand this, then you'll begin realizing who who you are and what it means to be a child of God. And it won't happen before. Because I watch Christians who have solid, solid Bible understanding. And yet it ain't in them. They just have a bunch of information. It's it's like sitting there talking to a concordance. It isn't the passion of their being. Listen, the hope of our calling and the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints, that is the beginning and the end of everything. That is our identity. It is not who we are married to. It is not who we want to be married to. It is who we are. Right now. And God's master plan was put in place before the foundations of the world. He master planned each and every one of you who is saved into his plan. Listen. A couple of weeks ago, I think it was. In the message, I said, there's nothing more to seek. There's nothing more to seek. If you're a believer, a true believer, there's nothing more to seek. You need to know what the book says so that the Holy Spirit within you can drive it deep into you, into the fabric of your soul. You heard it, you guys that were at the day of prayer yesterday, you heard it. There were guys who got up there and prayed who had a deep understanding of what they already possessed. And some didn't. And you can hear it. You can hear it in their prayers. And you know, there are a handful of guys in this town that, that I, I believe are like-minded. There's far more who ain't. But I know what the spiritual condition of this town is by looking at that. Alright? If the pastor don't know his position in Christ with a confidence that can never be moved... What's he going to do with the flock? There's nothing more to seek. This is it. What more are you going to ask for? I only have the riches of his inheritance in the saints. That's all. 
The glory of His riches. Why? His riches are so massive, Paul can't get the words to articulate the inheritance. Remember, this is the guy who went to heaven and had to come back. What I saw there, I can't say. And yet I got people running around all over the place who's been to heaven. I've been to heaven two or three different times. Man, I come, I come back. God sent me back. There's a pastor here in town who said he went to heaven. And when he got there, God told him to go back because he had big plans for him. So he sent him back. Really? And then he told me, yeah, it was very peaceful there. And he starts telling everybody what it looks like. And I'm sitting there going, oh, wait a minute. If the Apostle Paul can't explain it, why are you? I have too much for you to do, so I sent you back. Then how'd you end up there in the first place? God goes, oops, sorry, my mistake, I'll send you back. Listen, the riches of the glory of the inheritance and all the saints, guess what? There is no more, nor is there need for any more. You don't have to have an experience. You don't have to have a vision. You don't have self-deprivation. You don't have to do any of those things. It is done. It is done. Believers must understand what our resources are. And the only resources we have are those that are God's. That's it. And you're going to add to that what? What are you going to add to that? Listen. I can read this and I just look at that verse 18. I pray that your eyes of your heart, I pray that your mind will be enlightened so that you will know what is the hope of his calling and the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. What a plan. What a plan. The hope of my calling and the riches of the glory of his inheritance. What a plan. What a plan. So now that I got that foundation laid next week, I'll look at the greatness of God's power. Because that sentence is bizarre. Absolutely. That is a bizarre sentence. Let's pray. Father, we come before you. Father, I pray for these people. pray for all the people in Castle Baptist Church. That the eyes of their hearts may be enlightened. They will know what is the hope of your calling. And that, Father, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. Help us, Father. Help us to be overwhelmed. Help us to understand. Help us to burn in our hearts as the disciples on the road to Emmaus, for your word and your understanding. We love you, and may our love grow with every breath we get. To you, my King. Amen.